your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, this winter, as with every winter really, parents have been warned about how prevalent RSV is, particularly for babies and small children with health difficulties. So I'm joined now by our own Sandra Quinn from the Live 95 newsroom, who unfortunately had her own recent experience with the virus. Uh, good morning to you, Sandra. Morning, Joe. So your youngest son, Sam, is three and a half. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, so I have two sons, Sam and Noah. So Sam is three and a half and Noah is four and a half. Now, like most parents, we got an email for, about RSV um, through the crash via the HSE. Um, I didn't, like I read through it, you know, as any diligent parent would. And I didn't take that much notice because it specifically said it's dangerous for small babies and children with health conditions, which to me... I thought, you know, somebody may be undergoing treatment for something or maybe a problem with their immunity, something like that. Um, so I didn't really think this applied to my children as a big risk that I had to consider. Um, so Sam had a cough and a cold. You know yourself as a parent of small kids. You know, they get coughs and colds. Um, they're common and you second guess yourself all the time and you think, is this bad? You know, when are they getting worse? You watch out for temperatures. He didn't have a temperature. So I wasn't that worried. Um, I kind of thought this will pass. And then on a Sunday evening, he seemed worse. And I was like, right, I'll just keep an eye on this now. On the Monday, uh, my husband Daniel brought him into creche said to them, look, he's not quite himself. Just let me know if he, you know, seems to be sick and I'll come get him. So we got the call then at about 11am. They only start at nine to say, no, he's not well, come get him. So um, he brought him to his mother's house. So Sam spent the day with his nana. And that evening when I got home, he was thrown on the couch. Now, three and a half year olds, usually running around, most energy in the world. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd be jealous of the energy. Right. So when uh, I saw him thrown on the couch... Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny I you knew. should use that word because when people in Limerick use the word thrown or thrown down, then you, you, you know where it's going. <laughs> this is it, yeah. And I just, I knew, I knew as soon as I saw him on the couch, I was like, oh, this is not good. And I was like, right, I don't think I'm going to be in work on Tuesday. Um, he's too sick. And I'll see how we go. And then on Tuesday morning, he woke up and he was like just all out of sorts. He wasn't himself at all. Um, he His lips were a strange colour is the only way I can put it. They weren't blue, but they weren't pink. They were kind of greyish right. nearly. Did, did he have a temperature? Um, and no, he had no temperature. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, which is what I was looking for. I was looking for a temperature and I was looking for... Um, like, I don't know, but really for me, when a child is that lethargic of that age, that's when the alarm bells go off because mm-hmm. if they don't have the energy to interact with you, yes. that's what tells me they're really sick. Yes. Um, so I rang the GP and they were like, look, go straight to the hospital. And I was like, oh gosh, I was like, that doesn't seem, I was like, no, I don't think that's necessary. And it was, you know, the, the secretary from the GP, it wasn't the GP himself. And I was kind of like, oh, look, I'll, I'll wait a while. I'll see where we go. Um, and I rang them back a while later and I said, look, he's perked up a bit. He's kind of rallied. Um, we'll wait. And she said, no, if you're not bringing him to the hospital, you need to bring him in here. So I was like, right, grand. So off we went to the GP that afternoon. And um, as soon as we, as soon as they saw him, they were very worried. Um, now they were 
not trying to alarm me, but it was very clear that they were reacting in a way as you would to an emergency, really. Um, so it ended up that we ended up going by, to hospital by ambulance, which so I didn't ju- expect So just at to be all. clear about this, the, the ambulance came to the doctor's surgery? Mm, it is, right. yeah. Okay. Uh, which I wasn't, like, I mean, that's a very serious situation and I wasn't even remotely prepared for that. Okay. So that journey, yeah. oh, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, not one I want to repeat, Joe. I can tell you that much. Not one I want to repeat. There's only so much glamorizing of an ambulance you can do for a three year old. Um, and it wears thin pretty quickly. Well, well that's it. And of course, you, you, you're living in a part of the uh, Limerick where it's a fair journey, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, as it turned out, so the, I, our GP is actually not in Limerick. Our GP is in Newmarket in Cork. Um, so the ambulance actually took us to Tralee. Oh, really? Which, again, added another level to our drama because we live in Kiltrinan. So to have a child in hospital in Tralee was exceptionally difficult for us. Yes, yes. Um, it was just where the ambulance dispatched from. So, you know, you have no choice. Okay. Um, they so, picked the so, hospital that has... And what happened then when you guys arrived at the hospital in Tralee? Uh, so when we got there, they were very good. Um, the They have like a paediatric waiting room for A&E, which is great. Um, because like a hospital is scary enough. But, you know, at least we were in a room that had like pictures of animals on the walls and, you know, toys around the place. It was very child friendly. Um, so we saw a pediatrician straight away. Um, and immediately, like, so from the doctor's surgery and the hospital, he was on oxygen and nebulizers and they'd given him steroids and calpol. And again, I was kind of surprised. So that was the reason for the ambulance. Essentially, they didn't want me taking him in a car when he couldn't be on oxygen. So that is how sick he was. Um, which again is very frightening. Like, of course it is. That's yeah. when you don't expect us, you know, yeah. it's it's just it's another and, level, really. And, and I mean, talk to me a bit about the the communication. Then you know what, what he's three and a half, Sam, isn't that right? Mm, yeah, yeah. So trying to explain it is very tricky. Yeah. Um, now I'll be honest. For the first day, there wasn't much explaining to do because he was so sick. He was just sleeping and he was just like, I don't feel well. I don't feel well. And that was about all he was capable of, which is heartbreaking on a whole other level. Um, So I suppose if he was a bit older, I might have had to have done more explaining. But the explaining probably came later in the whole ordeal, really, because he was just he was just too sick. Um, So, I mean, the doctors explained to me that they checked his oxygen saturation. So this isn't something I'd be very familiar with. I don't think any parent who's not a medical practitioner would be really. Um, So apparently your oxygen saturation for a child should be between 98 and 100 and their heart rate should be around 80 to 100. So his oxygen was 77 instead of 97 to 100 and his heart rate was 160 instead of 80 or 90. So what they said was that he was working too hard to breathe and I could see that his belly was moving really quickly as he was breathing, but that was about the only thing. Okay. So at what point then were the doctors going, we think we have this under some control? Yeah, so I suppose once he was on the oxygen and the nebulizers, um, things, you know, things improved quite quickly. So like he was on, he wasn't on antibiotics straight away, but they do the tests very quickly. So they tested him for RSV. Now, I actually said to a doctor, I said, I think it might be RSV when we arrived. And um, he just said, he was like, look, to be honest, at his age, I wouldn't say it's a concern, even if it is RSV. And I was like, oh, okay, 
that's fine. Maybe it's something else. So obviously they did a COVID test and they tested for flu and RSV. So the test came back um, that night, positive for RSV and positive for flu, negative for COVID. So the positive for flu was actually because he'd had the flu vaccine the Friday before. And I didn't realize this, but children get a live flu vaccine. So they get a little bit of the flu through the nasal vaccine, whereas adults don't. Um, You don't get sick when you get the flu vaccine as an adult. But as a child, it's live, which I hadn't actually realized. Um, So he tested positive for the flu because of the vaccine. And he tested positive for RSV. So the pediatrician, when he saw him, said that he most likely has acute asthma. Um, Now, they can't test them for it at that age because they can't they're not capable at three to do the puff test, you know, where you blow into the apparatus. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Yeah, I am, yeah. It's just a thing, you you know, and the, there's like a little ball that moves um, depending on the level of your breath. So they don't test you until you're five or six. So, they, he, you know, they couldn't definitively say, yes, he has asthma, but it's what they'll call queried asthma at his age. So because of the underlying acute asthma, which we were unaware of, um, that's why he had such a reaction to the RSV. Right. I mean, so, you know, I, I only had one experience of that and we ended up and did an amazing job through the paediatrics emergency department at uh, the hospital here in Limerick. Um, and, you know, uh, our friend was only in there for a few hours. Um, but, but because my other half knows a bit about this, um, there was uh, an interesting back and forth when we took um, him to the GP uh, and... I started to get worried because the GP was going, no, I'd say on balance. And my wife was going, mm. and then there was a, mm. and <laughs> it was all that stuff about the breathing you're talking about and the tummy and, you yeah. know, and then the lethargy and everything else you explained. And next thing, the GP goes, well, okay, then maybe you should go to the ED. And that's where we ended up. And uh, it, it's it's a, just a terrible experience, isn't it? Because you it are in the terrible. hands now. It, I have to say the expertise and your point about trusting your instincts as a parent, mm. it's so important, isn't it? Absolutely. Like it was a gut feeling. And I mean, I knew on that Tuesday, I wasn't letting him go to be minded by somebody else. Because I just knew, I was like, he's sicker than you think he is. And my husband, in fairness to him, um, knows better at this stage that he was like, well, if you have a gut feeling, that's good enough for me. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Because the last thing you want is a bit of a, of course. you know, a bit of a dispute <laughs> where you're just bickering with each other over it. You don't need that added to, on to the stress of everything else. Yeah. Uh, and, but no, I mean, like, and, and the I, doctors we, were amazing. And it's important to point out, you know, uh, uh, we better say how Sam is now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So he's great. Uh, Sorry. So he was in hospital from Tuesday to Friday. Um, So once they knew he had RSV, they treated him with antibiotics and steroids, um, kept up the nebulizers and kept him on oxygen. Now, he's three and a half, so he wouldn't let them put the oxygen mask on his face. So as he slept, I stayed awake and held the mask to his face. Um, So he was discharged on the Friday at lunchtime. um, And we were sent home then um, just to keep up the steroids, antibiotics and nebulizers. And basically, they kind of said, just keep an eye on him. If he has a cough and it develops, you need to go to the GP. Don't let it linger, was the advice, really. Um, because so, I suppose, so just to be clear about this, yourself, does that mean that every time he has a cough from now on, you have to be on even more alert than maybe some of the other people listening to this? 
I would say so. Um, because right. of the acute asthma, I would say that I just have to be a little bit more vigilant um, and just be aware of the signs. If he's any bit lethargic or fatigued, I would be going straight to a GP. Um, there just won't be any waiting. Um, so, and, and, you know. And what's your general advice then to parents this morning based on the experience that you've recently had? Yeah, well, I suppose I'm not, like, I'm not a medical practitioner. And that's one of the things about this as well. You know, I didn't really know what to look for. Like, I've spoken to friends of mine who are nurses, and one of them said, oh, well, when my daughter had it, I could see a tugging on her rib cage. I wouldn't even know what to look for. Do you know? I really wouldn't. So for me, it was the child's behavior. It was him being so out of sorts that for me was the alarm bell to go right I need to go take him so I would just follow your gut I mean honestly and if you think your child you know for me with Sam I didn't know he had asthma but every time he got a cough it did seem to linger for a while so maybe I should have taken that as a little clue that okay he may have some underlying respiratory issue sure. but again I didn't know definitively um so, I mean, just keep an eye out. It's not just tiny babies. Um, but, I mean, in the hospital, I will say he was the oldest by far um, with RSV. So we were in a ward with all children that had RSV. And every other child in there was three months old, five months old, six months old. Okay. okay. And then there was Sam. Right. So, so you got it. You know. Yeah. You just you just have to be have to be alert, don't you? Well, uh, our own Sandra Quinnison, thank you very much for telling us that story and uh, all's well that ends well, as they say, and that's the most important thing. But I think uh, the advice that you're giving in your experience is important for people listening this morning. And you mentioned about experts. Uh, well, Dr. Maura Finn was on the show um, a few weeks back talking about RSV and here are some of the telltale signs that she talked about. All RSV's cases start as that inconvenient sniffle, nothing more. Um, and that can, you know, and the majority of children just have a sniffle, really have very little other than a small cough, maybe sniffle, might be a little off their feeds, might have a very mild temperature. But some, and we can't predict who, but some of them then go on to have much more serious illness and need to be admitted. So what we need to educate people about is the fact that you know, you look for the possible red flags, we call them, the things that might be a danger sign. And if you know those, then you know when to be concerned, when to attend your doctor. The question about when to keep your children at home is a really, really tricky one, because in theory, any kind of any um, sniffle at all is a sign of potential illness and maybe that child is symptomatic and should be kept at home but how do parents do that how they can logistically it's impossible to do I mean what we do need to do is all those simple things like cough etiquette and washing hands and using a sanitizer before you kind of maybe hold somebody else's baby breastfeeding is protective against RSV smoking environments make it worse vulnerable babies are far more vulnerable under the age of six months so we're always more careful of them and premature babies are more vulnerable too so you need to watch for those but the question of keeping them home from school or crash that is really really tricky so the, the initial presentation is in the upper respiratory, the nose and the throat maybe, but it can go down into your lower respiratory system, which is your lungs. And in RSV, what happens, the virus hits this very small little tubes at the periphery of your lungs and it causes this really wet cough and a wheeze as well. And the babies struggle. They actually become, they have flared nostrils because they're trying to get breath in. They're grunting. They have belly breaths. 
um, you can see them breathing quickly and, and having struggling with their breathing. And that's one thing to look for. The other thing is the feeding really can be distressed if they're and, and decrease when they're struggling with their breath and then if you have a baby that doesn't have a wet nappy you know for 12 hours or less than three in a day we would be concerned about that and temperatures you can't control so these are the signs that i want people to be aware of and you need to attend now the problem is attend attend your gp Yes, attend yes. your GP, first okay. of all. Um, or, or ring and look for advice, whichever is, yeah. is most appropriate. And always follow your gut instinct. If you're concerned about your baby, if you're not happy, if you, if you just think there's something wrong, go check. We always want to see young babies, you know. We are completely overwhelmed with, um, with patients, obviously, but this is, this is the priority in the winter season for us. All right, that's Dr. Maura Finn there uh, with uh, some really good advice. Um, the red flags for RSV and you heard a direct experience in our own family there from Live 95's Sandra Quinn. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nett on Live 95.